Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Friday, September 29th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachopoli. All right, how's everyone doing this Friday? We've made it through another week, another week, right? And here we are and uh, expect a big show, a big show, big show. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? Well, of course, of course, the big story is the passing of uh of diane feinstein right the passing of diane feinstein is the big story and um yeah, look we can talk a lot about diane feinstein and what she did or you know what she uh what she didn't do what she did or what she didn't do um as far as her job as senator of California, um, it's a, it's a, it's difficult. It really is, right? I mean, she was ninety years old, and you know, you go on Twitter, and of course, people are talking about, uh, you know, basically how um, how she was a failure as a senator. A lot of people here in California didn't like her, both Democrats and non-Democrats. You know, by the way, so. It's it's a tough situation. It really is a tough situation. You don't want to. I don't like it. I didn't like. I'll go back in a second to Rush Limbaugh, who I worked with for for several years, and then he passed away. And you know, people were stomping on his grave. And I, I don't particularly like when that happens. Um, I th- I think it's kind of classless, and you know, I think what you have to understand is. Uh, she was a senator to us, but to other people, she was a friend or a family member or a mother or an aunt or whatever. So, and I think you have to remember this about all people, whether you agree with them politically or you don't agree with them politically, right? I think that's what it uh, what it comes down to. You have to uh, understand, right, that they are humans and they have family and they have friends and they have people who care about them. So. Um, I don't want to, I guess, really, I guess, disparage her, you know, as a, uh, as a person. I don't, I don't want to disparage her as a person, but we can look at her record, right? I, I, there was someone on TV today who was, uh, talking about, it was a Democrat and they were talking about her and she had said something like, and, and those people who didn't care for her they should be ashamed of themselves or something like that. People who care about her should be people who didn't like her politically or her detractors, I think is what the word she used, should be ashamed of themselves. Now, of course, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. If you want to say people who are stomping on her grave today should be ashamed of themselves. Okay, I'll go with that. But no, she was a U.S. senator, right? So she had a record. And just because she died <laughs> doesn't mean that people never could have disagreed with her during her million year career, right? So that's bullshit also. Um, I don't believe in, I also don't believe in hagiography, which is what you see all the time, right? When someone dies, someone popular dies, a celebrity or a politician, all of a sudden anything they may have done that was bad or criticized doesn't exist anymore, right? It's like, it's total hagiography and that's bad to get the measure of one's life you need to put in the good things with the bad things right the good things with the bad things and but what it really does show and i don't think 
this is disparaging Diane Feinstein. And if you're a relative, you'll have to excuse me, but this really proves, I mean, someone who's 90 years old and who dies in their sleep should not have had the power of a U.S. Senator the day before they passed away at 90. Now, you pass away at 50, what are you going to do, right? I'm not saying someone who passes away at 50 should never have been in power. Uh, someone who's perfectly fine and they just happen to die in their sleep at a young age, that happens, right? But when you're 90, we know, we know that this is a more likely possibility. And we saw the deterioration of Diane over the last few years, right? We saw it. Remember, she had to go away for three months and they said it was shingles, which of course is, is lying in our faces, right? So it, it there's no way that someone 90 years old should have had this power, period. And now there's some talk about her having recorded a vote after she had died or the morning she died or I don't, it, it, it's all very bizarre. But the fact of the matter is someone of that age should not have been in that position of power up until the day she died in her sleep, especially when we knew she was losing it. You could see that. She wasn't able to do her job properly as a U.S. senator from the state of the largest state in the country, right? Remember, there are only two of them in this ridiculous system we have, that California has two, but a state with eight people also have two. That's a... Another time. We'll talk about that another time. But only two of them, and she couldn't perform her duties, right? And this is what I've talked about on just, I think it was a couple of shows ago when I said that we need to have a maximum age. So you could have uh, term limits, you could have a maximum age. Either would take care of this particular situation. Obviously, term limits would take care of someone being in office for decades, which, should be, which shouldn't be the case. Someone should not be able to be in these positions for decades. But if you have a, an age limit, at least, um, I, I like term limits and age limits, both of them. But if you had age limit, at least, it wouldn't happen either, right? Someone wouldn't be in this position at 90 years old. That's the thing. It's, uh, it's, it's a sad state of affairs we have in this country where people this old have these kinds of positions of power. Remember, this is not a 90-year-old who is like... Um, you know, a, a checker at Walmart. This isn't a 90-year-old who was a secretary for somebody. This was a 90-year-old who was one of only 100 United States senators. And there are people on Twitter who are very upset at Diane for having hung on so long and mad at people that age in general, octogenarians, what is the 90? What is what is octa? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I know I, I know as far as octogenarians. I don't know what 90 year olds are called, but uh, octogenarians and 90 plus year olds continuing to cling to power. Right. Now, most people in the real world at that age, 80, 85, 90, don't really want to work anymore. Right. But these people do. Why? What's the difference between, let's say, an 82 year old? Let's say 90, because Diane was 90. Let, what's the difference? Why does a 90-year-old in the real world not really want to continue to work, but a 90-year-old in politics wants to continue working? Well, the answers are obvious. It's a cushy job, tons of money, lots of power, uh, great um, amenities, and, of course, of course, the fact that you have control of others' lives, right? So it's that power, that money, and the idea this is such a, a cushy, easy job. We only really work 
half the year. This is why a lot of people hang on to these jobs when normally they wouldn't want to hang on to a job, right? A 90-year-old wouldn't want to continue to be a cop, right? A 90-year-old wouldn't want to continue to be a, 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 a clerk, right? But a 90-year-old certainly does want to stay in the U.S. Senate, and it should not be allowed. It just shouldn't be allowed, period. It's common sense. It's not ageism. It's common sense, period. So that having been said, we look at Diane's life and we look at, you know, she took over for Moscone when he was assassinated. It was a 78. The people I talked to who were lifelong San Franciscans said she wasn't particularly liked as a politician at that point. She wasn't one of the more popular Board of Supervisors members, but she was the head of the Board of Supervisors. Remember, London Breed, that's how she originally got the job, right? Ed Lee died. She was the head of the Board of Supervisors, and she got the job. She's the next in line. The, the head of the Board of Supervisors, the president, is the one who takes over for the mayor here if something happens. And so that's what Diane did in 78 when Moscone and, and Milk were assassinated. She, she took over. And we know that that very famous video of her talking about the fact that Moscone and Milk were assassinated. And so she took the reins, right? And that's how she worked her way up. I don't know what kind of a mayor she was. I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I wasn't here in the late 70s and early 80s, but that was her rise to power. So yes, yes. Would she have risen to power if not for a tragedy? We don't know. You don't know. That's like the, the, uh, the question mark of the... This, this happens in sports all the times, right? Where something happens and it leads to something else happening. You go, well, if that didn't happen, this would have happened. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that for sure, right? So we don't know that. We don't know the chain of events, if they would have been the same or not. We have no clue. We will never know. But we do know that that certainly was the beginning of her rise into politics, right? Taking over as mayor in 78. And then, of course, you know, think about that, 78. 78 was that 40 am i getting my math right 45 years ago that's 45 years in high level politics right mayor of san francisco to u.s senator um should someone be in that kind of position of power for four and a half decades i'd say absolutely not no way no way you know there's enough good people young people uh, on the bench, if you will, to use another sports analogy, who could take over after, let's say, 15 years or 20 years or 25 years, right? And I think that's generous to say a quarter century is long enough, but she was around for 45 years from mayor till her death. And it's too long. And she got lazy and she got complacent. There's no doubt about that. They all do at that point, not just her. They all do. Um, what she did for California, I don't know. I know California is a shithole now. I know that. I'm not just blaming her. You got Gavin Newsom. You got uh, your Nancy Pelosi's. You got your Jackie Spears. You got a lot of them, right? So I, 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 I can't just blame her. So, but California is not in good shape. Let's put it this way. Diane upon her departure, has not left California in great shape. In fact, I would say, as I like to say in politics all the time, we are not in better shape now than we were 45 years ago 
1978. I don't know. I was only seven at the time, but I, I can pretty much guess, I can gather <laughs> that we are in worse shape now than we were in, uh, in 78. And California is certainly in worse shape now than it was in the late 70s. So what's, what is her uh, record? What is her legacy, as they like to say? Well, I'll leave that to the historians, although most of the historians are liberals, so you get hagiography. But a real historian, right, if there are any of them left, will be able to write about this and what her true legacy is, the positives and the negatives of Dianne Feinstein as a, as a public official for 45 years. Um, it's, a it, because she's been around so long, it's a weird feeling not to have Diane Feinstein around anymore. You know, it's just a, it's a weird feeling because she's been around here for so long, right? As long as I've been able to, you know, understand politics, there's always been a Diane Feinstein. Um, so it, it's, uh, like I said, I, I think what I take from it is that it, she was there too long, right? And her legacy, put it this way, her legacy probably would have been better if she retired 10 or 15 years ago for her own, her own good, right? I think her legacy would have been better because the last decade or so for Diane was not good. And part of the reason why it wasn't good is, well, I don't agree with her politics, but also the fact that she was 80 to 90 years old. That didn't help the situation. So it would have been better for Diane's legacy if she retired at a normal, quote unquote, normal age and didn't just try to hang on for so long, like so many of these people do. And we can curse them. And people on Twitter are cursing her and others like her for the need, the selfish need or desire to hang on to power for so long and not let a younger person with maybe new, brighter ideas and more you know, brain cognition take over. But why blame Diane Feinstein? Why blame, um, oh, it's very, you know, this is, a, this is very, this is very ironic. I just thought of this. I just got the new New Yorker magazine two days ago. And on the cover of the New Yorker magazine, they probably maybe wish this wasn't the cover now, but what do they know? Is uh, Trump, I believe it's Trump, no, wait a minute. Diane's not on there. Wait a minute. Where's the where's the damn magazine? I don't know. It's my roommate's magazine. Yeah, don't blame me. I don't get the New Yorker. He does. It's very expensive, by the way. You know, the New Yorker is like nine dollars an issue. Can you imagine? Nine dollars. It's eight ninety nine an issue for the New Yorker. I remember when it was twenty five cents, fifty cents. Anyway, I think it, no, it was Trump, um, McConnell, Pelosi and Biden. But you could put fine. Maybe they didn't put Feinstein in because they thought something might happen soon. Anyway, but you could put her in there, right? And uh, it's a sad state of affairs for this country. I don't know if that's funny that the political, the, the, some of the biggest political leaders, some of the most important, powerful political people, are that age group, and they're put on the cover of the New Yorker to highlight how old these people are. It's just it's 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 not a good look for this country, and I don't think it works out well for this country when the people making the decisions are several steps behind because of their age. Because of their age, we're seeing it. This is a very small niche thing, but we're seeing it in sports too. I'm, I follow a lot of other sports, not just pro sports, 
but it happens in pro sports too. But I, I follow uh, hockey, junior hockey sports, and they've been hiring. Well, we, actually, we just saw it in the NHL. I'm sorry, with Mike Babcock, who has been coaching forever, who's not a spring chicken, who was named as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He has a checkered history that has a lot to do probably with his generation that he comes from and not knowing the new kind of woke ways. And uh, something happened again. I forgot what it was. And they had to fire him like even before the season started. So there's a junior league where uh, like a 67 or 68 year old guy was hired. A guy who's been around forever. And, um, and this is even more bizarre, right? Because these players are 16 to 20 years old. So they hire a, a 68 year old, which is very bizarre to me. But what happened is something happened with rap music. We don't know exactly what happened, but he's going to be fired. Because something, my guess is, this is just conjecture, is that he walked into the locker room, someone was playing rap music, and he probably said, get that black music off, or that music is about black people, or maybe he said nigger music, who knows? But it's probably something regarding that, something that maybe a 30-year-old would not have been, would have been much less likely to say, because generational, with understanding political correctness, with understanding, you know, what's considered racism and also the understanding that rap music, you know, isn't just black music. And a 30-year-old might be more likely to like rap music than a 68-year-old and understand that everyone listens to rap music now. Rappers are white. A lot of white kids like rap music. Something that someone who's nearly 70 might not get. So this, old, this idea of just hiring these old people in this country in North America to run things is I, I don't understand where it comes from with politics. It comes from the fact that we can't stop it. And the voters are too dumb to stop it. I was joking today thinking maybe are the voters of California going to finally stop voting for Feinstein now, or maybe they still will. It's like the voters are dumb. They're idiots. So they keep voting for these people. We can't expect the voters to self govern and not vote for someone 90, right? Uh, we can't count on the 90-year-old people to not run anymore, to know when to say when. We can't leave it up to the individual, so we have to make a law, right? Isn't that why we make laws, right? So we should make a law, and the law should be at a certain age, you have to leave, period. Remember Menudo? What was that, 15? It was, it was a real young age. So maybe that's what it has to be. You have to cycle out. You have to cycle out at some point. And you're not sending these people to concentration camps. You're not sending them to homeless shelters. They're wealthy. They're multimillionaires. They'll be fine with their pensions. Okay. So it's not harsh to say at that age in that in these jobs, you have to leave. And you have to get the younger people in there. And then we'll have face fewer problems when it comes to these societal, these cultural things. And you'll have people up there who are fresh thinkers, right? Who have all their marbles, who haven't lost a few steps. And there are certain jobs where we can't have people losing a few steps. We can't. This is why John Fetterman never should have been elected Senate. Thanks to Donald Trump, he was. But he should not have been elected to the Senate. And thanks to the voters of Pennsylvania. They're also responsible because they filled in the dot next to his name. But he shouldn't have been. And he's not 90 years old, but mentally he should not be allowed to be a U.S. senator. He doesn't have enough mental capacity to be a U.S. senator today, maybe four years or eight years from now. He's still a young guy. He would have been, but not now.
And it's obvious. So it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing the people we put in these kinds of very high level, important positions over these, these people don't just have control over their lives or like lives over 15 people working under them. Like in normal jobs, they have control over the lives of millions of people, 330 million people, really. So we have to figure this out. And of course, is anyone really other than Twitter is anyone in the legacy media talking about this angle? today. No, they're all Diane Feinstein, a legend, a legend, a legend. Let's talk about what a legend she was. Diane Feinstein was not a hero for taking over from Moscone. That was, she was next in line. Okay. This is like, I love when we make heroes out of people because of circumstance, right? Because of circumstances. She happened to be there when this happened. What's heroic about that? Same thing with Giuliani, with New York. He was mayor when there was a terrorist attack. So what did he do? What he, he didn't run away? What would any mayor, what would, would Ed Koch, if he still was around, the mayor, would have done the same thing? Any mayor, even London Breed, would have done the same thing. Would have gone down there, made some speeches, and looked heroic. But what did he do? He didn't do anything. <laughs> Yet we made him into this, the media, and the public made him into this great hero of 9-11. He just happened to be there when a tragedy happened. Okay? So these heroes of circumstance, no. I don't believe in heroes of circumstance. I believe in heroes of action. People actually do certain things that help the masses. Those are heroic people. Okay? And I, I wouldn't put Feinstein taking over f for an assassinated mayor or Rudy Giuliani happening to be in the same place, at the, 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 in that mayor's office, at the, at the quote unquote right, right place, right time, or wrong place, wrong time, whatever you want to say, when 9 11 happened. There's, not, there's, no, there's no heroism there, but we seem to need heroes sometimes, so we create them out of thin air. So going back to Diane, if she had retired 15 years ago, her legacy would be better. There's absolutely no doubt about that, right? There wouldn't be this last couple of years of her not knowing what she's voting for, having to have her, her, her interns tell her how to vote. We would, none of that would have happened. That sullies her reputation. That sullies her legacy. This is what we talk about people going out when they're on top. Another sports analogy, right? Go out when you're on top, baby. Not when you're on the way down, because that's what people will remember, it will sully your record. Go out on top. It's tough to do, I know, because when people are on top, they think they got more to give, right? They're like, I'm on top. I'm in my prime. No, you're not. You're at the end of it. Get out when the getting's good. Many people don't know when to do that in all walks of life. But we see it specifically in sports uh, entertainment and, of course, politics. Those jobs pay a lot of money, right? There's celebrity status. There's ego involved with those kinds of jobs. There's power involved with those kinds of jobs. And so, and so Diane stayed in too long. She didn't retire in her prime. She didn't retire when she was on top. But that's partly our fault. Like I said, we can...
we can blame her and others like her, like McConnell and Trump and Biden, all we want. But it's our fault for not insisting that these laws be made. The people have the power to insist to make these a campaign issue. Are you going to do this? I'll vote for you if you're going to do this. I'm not going to vote for you if you're not. Maybe that's what we need to start doing. And it's partly our fault, right? That these people are able to stay in these jobs for so long. So I guess that's what I have to say about Diane Feinstein. I guess that's my, like I said, leave it to the historians to try to figure out exactly what the measure of her time in politics was. But I can tell you that the last several years is not a highlight. It's not a high point. It's a, it's a low point. And now we'll see what happens. Now I guess Gavin gets to put someone in there, right? So what he'll do is he'll put someone in there who can be the incumbent and win. Is it next year? I guess that's what he's going to do, right? He will put a far left extremist in there who will, you know, who believes in COVID lockdowns and taking guns away and all the great stuff that Gavin Newsom believes in further destroying the state of California. That's where we go from here, right? That's, we could get worse than Diane Feinstein. What do they say? You, you, you know, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. It could be worse than Diane Feinstein. There's worse. There's a shiffy shift with those spooked out eyes, baby. He's, he's probably the one who's going to be appointed, right? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. You know, he already told Barbara Lee to go take a walk. So I don't know what he's going to do as far as shiffy shift is concerned, but it's a, it's frightening. It really is frightening how bad it can get. It can get much worse than Diane. It really can. Because Gavin Newsom is the guy who's in charge of this project. Um, of course, that should not be right either. It should be a special election. People should have to run and the voters should decide, right? Uh, that's the way it should be. So uh, this is just, you know, the way it goes in politics here in, in California. It's incredibly corrupt. And there'll be no fair process as far as this is concerned. But we'll see where that uh, we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes. I'm reading stories. I don't know if they're true um, about RFK Jr. running as an independent. Has anyone heard anything more about that? I saw that on Twitter. It was such a busy day today. I saw the Feinstein stuff, and then I had to go see a. A film, so I have a film review for later. So I, oh, here it is. RFK Jr. I hate to read an article by the mainstream media, but RFK Jr. teases announcement amid third party bid rumors. Uh, RFK Jr. teased an announcement on Friday that he would create a sea change in American politics amid speculation from the Democrat candidate may leave the party. Kennedy previously refused to rule out independent run for president. Kennedy said in a video on Friday that voters were frustrated with Congress and the leadership of both political parties. A lot of Americans who had previously given up any hope of real change would, would ever come through the American electoral process have begun to find new hope in my candidacy, he said. Save the date, save the country. Declining to provide specifics on what he would say uh, on October 9th, by the way, he's going to do some kind of an announcement on Monday, October 9 in Philadelphia. I want to tell you now that I've come to understand after six months of campaigning, there's a path to victory. The hope we are feeling isn't some kind of trick in the mind. 
I certainly hope he does this. Didn't I just didn't I just push him to do this last week when that uh poll came out? And maybe this is what pushed him over the edge in doing this, is the poll that came out that said uh, a third of Biden's voters would would defect to RFK if he were an independent candidate. Uh, and doing the math, they do, someone did the math with that and said, if 30% of Biden's vote goes to him, Biden will lose in an epic landslide. He'll lose by like 15 million votes to whoever, whoever the Republican is. So it's a huge thing for him to do this. It really, he runs as an independent. And Biden's done. Dare I say Biden might even be done against Trump, but let's not even go there. But he would definitely be done against DeSantis. Ron DeSantis would have the biggest electoral victory. He'd have the biggest popular vote victory in a very long time if RFK Jr. ran as an independent and DeSantis was running against Biden. It would not even be close. It would be a blowout. So this is very big. We'll see what happens. We'll see what I still believe, though, extrapolating what could happen, that a lot of Democrats would come home. They weren't asked in that poll, would you defect if Trump were the nominee? But I, I can guarantee you, I bet my bottom dollar, dollars to Bob's Donuts in San Francisco, that if Trump were the nominee, many of those people would stick with Biden with that excuse being, you know what it is, right? We can't allow Trump to win. But I don't think they would be as ardent against Ron DeSantis as they will against a Donald Trump candidacy. And that deflection may be as big as the polls say they are if DeSantis is, is the nominee. So look, look, many of us have been just pining for a DeSantis RFK Jr. battle, right? That we've, we've been hoping for that. So let's put it this way. If RFK Jr. runs an independent and DeSantis wins the nomination, it could end up being if Biden could be like out. He could be third. It could be a battle between DeSantis and Kennedy. There are people who I've already said, I hear Republicans out there already saying that if Trump is the nominee, they will vote for RFK Jr. if he's an independent candidate. If Trump is the nominee, they'll vote for our, these, these, are, these are the Republicans, right? So think about that. <laughs> think about that, All right? If, if Republicans are saying that they won't vote for Trump, they'll vote for RFK Kennedy instead. It's hard to believe. It's really, really hard to believe any Democrats would, uh, would vote for Trump. They'd probably stick with Joe Biden. Right. Because they don't want Trump. So if, if Republicans don't want Trump to be president, Democrats certainly don't want to see and independents wouldn't want to see Trump as president. That's what I'm trying to get at. But this is interesting. Once again, we don't know if this is going to be the announcement, but people are speculating that this will be the announcement. That he will decide he's going to run a third as third party. I, I think he should. Um, the, the, the Democratic Party once again, if he's if he's really serious about winning, not not like Bernie Sanders, really serious, really, really, really serious about winning. This is the thing to do, right? If you really want to make a statement, this is the thing to do. Instead of Bernie wasn't only not serious about winning, but when you don't run as independent, you lose your voice come March or April, right? 
once the primary is done and it's all delegates are all done and the convention comes, you lose your voice. Kennedy would not lose his voice. He would have it through the general election, right? So, and remember this also, if Kennedy ran as independent, if you believe the polls and a third of Democrats would deflect to him, that means he would have enough percentage in polls to get into debates between the Republican and Biden. Think about that. Think about DeSantis, Biden, and RFK Jr. on the debate stage, as opposed to just a Democrat and a Republican, right? RFK Jr. would then get into the three general election debates. This is what he needs to do. Daniel, do you think this is what he needs to do? Hey, Mike, um, your volume decreased um, like about a quarter of magnitude. I can barely hear you now. Really? Yeah. Well, it sounds fine on my end. Let me try to see. Yeah, it's, it's really, really quiet. Really? I don't know. Greg, can you hear me? I Greg's can Greg. hear you a, a little bit better now when you spoke up. I don't know why. Everything yeah, is it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty right. bad. You can't, as you know, you can't control volume. Uh, repeat that. I'm saying you can't control the volume on this app. Well, I can't control your volume. I've got it well, all. Okay. I've got it turned all the way up on my end. No, but you can't control your own volume. You can't control the way I've you got, sound. No, no, you yeah. can't control the way you sound. Is what I'm saying. I, I've got my end all the way turned up on my phone. Um, it's this, and, and you're getting some feedback too. Every once in a while, it sounds like really. No, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Let's see. Well, go ahead. Talk. Do you have anything you want to say? Good. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll try to talk, um, even though I can barely, barely hear you, and I, I am outdoors, so I apologize for the background noise. Um, but I, I think um, there is a strange calculus that people are making with respect to uh, RFK Jr., and that has to do with the fact that 49% of Americans in 2023 um, are, are independents. 25% Democrat, 25% Republican. So we mm -hmm. talk, everyone's analyzing this from right. the perspective of um, who will RFK Jr. draw votes away from Democrats or, or Republicans, as though one of those is going to be the president. Right. Not necessarily when you got numbers like the majority of people by a factor of two are independent. Right, right. Well, I... I, I... I don't know. I, I just think that um, it, it's it's basically the thing for him to do. In other words, he can run as a Democrat or he can run as an independent. Right. And if he's running as a Democrat with this DNC, he's, he's basically doing the same thing Bernie did, which is like, I'm just running to run and then I'll just shut up and support the DNC candidate. Right. So. What is there to do? What is that for? What does that accomplish? Nothing. Well, he's he's quite likely in it to win it, and if he is, given the the fact that independents in twenty twenty three have a record number uh, or a record a record percent of the population of voters, this is the highest it's ever been, forty nine percent. Forty nine percent. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a chance of winning it as a pen, independent. Yeah, um, no, he outright. can. Look, he's a very, 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 very strong candidate. He is. 
He's a, he's an incredibly strong candidate. So, I mean, you 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 can't uh, you can't just dismiss him. And I, and I think the Democratic Party is doing this for two re- one reason. I don't think the Democrats believe, although it's certainly pop- possible, right, that in a real primary, let's say they said, "Okay, baby, you're in. You and you and uh, Biden, real primary, go at it." We'll have five debates. Do it. There's a chance that Kennedy could just win the primary, right, straight out. But there's also this possibility, and this is what the Democrats are really afraid of, that Joe Biden will have to debate and be exposed. He'll actually have to campaign and be exposed for what he is, which is some guy. Yeah, has, 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 and with respect to that matter, has anybody ever asked Trump? who is afraid to debate DeSantis. Um, has anyone ever asked Trump what he's going to do if Biden refuses to debate him? Um, because if, obviously if, he's going to be called, be calling him a, a coward, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he'll make up Trumpian names for that, but he's going to be calling him a coward, basically. And, and here he is right. trying to set the Republican uh, debates up. I mean, that's an mm-hmm. obvious question that anyone should be asking of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, no one's asked these questions. No, I mean, no one's asked these questions. Look, have, well, of course they don't, because they're all mercenary. We're talking about. The yeah, I mean, you have Biden. Has the fifth estate, has anyone from the fifth estate that's got sufficient profile asked uh, Trump this question? I don't know. You know, no, you have Biden and you have Trump and you have both of them who basically don't look. Both of them would rather not debate at all. Both obviously. Right. Both of them would rather not do that if they don't have to. So um, I, I would not be shocked if it were Biden versus Trump that there are no debates. I really wouldn't be shocked if that were the outcome, if they just decided, you know, uh, that there aren't any debates, that, you know, Biden would make the excuse that he's not going to give Trump the stage because all Trump does is do belligerent stuff and and uh and, and say crazy shit, and he doesn't want to give him the chance to do that. And, uh, you know, and we know Trump doesn't like debating because he's not. So I would not be shocked at all. I mean, that's how bad it would be if it's Biden versus Trump. Not only do you have two octogenarian candidates that nobody wants again, but you might not have any actual debate. Yeah, and, and you could count, if that, was, if that were the case, you could count on our mercenary media not being one bit upset about the fact that for the first time in history, um, we had zero debates for for presidential election. As though this is, they, they make this out as though it was something totally to be expected, um, yeah. just like locking yourself down, putting a mask on your face, and injecting yourself in the experimental vaccine. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, no. So I, I think that um, it's. I, I'm really hoping we're getting closer and closer. Real, we are. It might just take a while, but I think a slow process of getting a DeSantis versus RFK Jr. election. I'm really hoping we could be heading in that direction. Well, so am I. And regardless, um, RFK getting into it as an independent is is going to make things, is going to elevate the, uh, the abomination that was COVID policy. Yeah, his candidacy is going to do that where Biden and Trump simply aren't because Trump, as, as we've all talked about many times, is trying to to uh, to forget that COVID never happened. 
and uh, Biden trying to forget that COVID ever happened. Um, RFK isn't going to let us do that. DeSantis isn't going to let us do that. Whether if one or both of them become candidates as independents or in the Democratic or Republican Party, that is going to elevate this issue tremendously. And we're not just talking about talk here. We're talking about commitments to uh, having to turn their attorney generals uh, investigate uh, all the various angles uh, to, to, to the greatest crime in history. And this will not go unaccounted for if either one of them runs, let alone wins. Just running is going to elevate this to to a level where accountability, accountability, I think, is coming anyway. But accountability is going to be coming in, in with the full force of, of, of law behind it. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I hope that uh, both of them are candidates, so independent now. or not. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it goes that way for uh, for sure. Daniel, thanks for the call. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Have a good All right. Good old Daniel out late walking. Interesting. All right. I like that. But, you know, I have now put the call in on my other phone and I have my ear set in and I'm sounding fine. So I'm listening to it just as a listener would on a separate phone uh, and I'm hearing it fine. So I don't know. It seems like it's it's all fine on my end here. Um, It's. um, I don't know. Look, we'll see what the announcement is. Right. But here's a little bit more of what uh, RFK Jr. said. They're trying to make sure that I can't participate at all in the political process. And so I'm going to keep all my options open, Kennedy said of the DNC a day later. He told another crowd in New Hampshire that he would have to make a call before October 15th um, if he decided to run independently. While Kennedy has long assumed the role of an outsider Democratic candidate up against Biden's better established and better funded incumbency, he has frequently brushed aside questions about any potential third party bids. During a News Nation town hall in June, Kennedy called being a Democrat part of his identity. You know, people have said to me, why don't you run as independent? And I say, because I'm a Democrat, Kennedy said. This is who I am. This is my identity. But I want my party back. I want my party to be the party that I grew up in, the party of John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, the party of FDR and Harry Truman. And again, when asked during a Fox News interview in August, if he would consider a third party bid, in the 24 election, Kennedy said he would not. No, I'm a Democrat. You know, I'm a traditional Democrat, and part of my mission here is to summon the Democratic Party back to its traditional ideals. I'm not surprised that the people who are aligned with the DNC, people who are closely aligned with the White House, are troubled by my candidacy. Um, when asked by ABC News a day after his North Charleston town hall if he were willing to make a third-party run, Kennedy said he was going to wait and see. I'm hoping to run in the Democratic Party. If it's possible to have a fair election in the Democratic Party, I will run in the Democratic Party. And I haven't made any kind of plans other than that, he said. But then, remember, he was talking about how the party is not allowing him to run and uh, they're not going to be fair about it. And basically, uh, you know, they're making it impossible for him to, uh, to win the nomination fairly. So look, we'll see what happens. I don't know. 
it could be an exciting time here if that if that's the case right um and we'll see how that goes but i do encourage him to run as an independent absolutely the democratic party needs to learn a lesson they need to learn a lesson right i mean if the republican party can be fair in their primary with a guy who has four indictments right 91 charges a guy they know has no chance of winning a general election then the democrats can certainly be fair and give rfk jr a fair shot they didn't give bernie and we see what rfk jr said about running as a democrat and bringing the democratic party back to this or back to that that's exactly what bernie said twice and it's all bullshit they're not going to do it you must force them to learn a lesson the hard way and if that's either with giving the Republican candidate an even better chance to win than they already would have, giving Ron DeSantis a shoe-in victory, or or even winning yourself, Kennedy, they have you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to teach that party a lesson, period. Going back to local California stuff, we have Dianne Feinstein. We know about the passing of Dianne Feinstein, but this is, I want to play a clip of Ron DeSantis talking about um, talking about Gavin Newsom's, uh, one, one of his many awful policies. Uh, it's not just Newsom, Biden and Newsom, starting in 2025, are mandating that all newly purchased big rig trucks have to be electric. Uh, so Ron DeSantis talked about this. Trucks, because Biden has worked with your governor uh, to do these electric mandates on these big rigs. And if you look at the big rigs, uh, this is not something that is designed to be an electric vehicle. I mean, these things are designed to run on the diesel, and that's what they need. Uh, ports like Long Beach, I think very soon, all the new sales for big rigs are going to need to be electric. What does that mean for you? Well, all of that EV is going to make all these trucks much more expensive. Do you think that the companies are just going to eat that cost? No, they're going to pass it on to consumers in the form of higher prices for the goods that they're transporting. How reliable will big rigs be that are electric vehicles? Well, I think they get about a radius of 100 miles on a single charge. Then they got to find a place to charge. It takes a long time to be able to charge it again. How is that going to help? efficiency how is that going to help uh these ports get the most out of their what they can do it's not going to do that it's going to interrupt the supply chain it's going to make it more and more difficult to be able to do businesses and we saw what happens when the supply chain is exacerbated this will basically be baking in supply chain problems as a permanent feature of the american economy that is wrong that is bad for Americans and it's bad for our economy. So we are gonna provide relief as president. Uh, we need to be smart about this. Uh, we need to embrace innovation. We need to embrace consumer choice. Uh, we should not be embracing mandates of this kind. And if we wanna reverse the economic decline our country's in, uh, it's gonna be through invigorating the private sector. It's not gonna be through imposing these draconian mandates on top of the private sector. This is once again what we spoke about yesterday, right? Bill was on the show and we were talking about regulations and mandates and the useless regulations and mandates that Democrats impose that only end up 
hurting the average person. They won't hurt the wealthy. In fact, most of them, like the COVID mandates, end up helping the wealthy, helping corporations, helping big pharma, helping the richest people like uh, Bill Gates, right? Um, and this is, this is one of those things. This is one of those ridiculous, asinine, idiotic, psychotic mandates that people like Biden and Newsom do just because they want a virtue signal pretend this has to do something to do with climate and also show how powerful they are, wave their dicks around and show how powerful they are in controlling everyone else's lives. This is once again, just like all the new gun laws that they're trying to impose the legislature here in California to prevent law abiding citizens from exercising their second amendment rights and buy a gun to protect themselves. Every time they do this, every time this psycho fuck Gavin Newsom, the hair gel king of California, straight out of American Psycho. Doesn't he remind you of Christian Bale, an American Psycho? He is. He's an American Psycho. Every time he and his left-wing colleagues in California impose these gun laws, the criminals get a hard-on. The criminals love it. They love it. Oh, my, another law that's going to prevent people from protecting themselves against me. I'll always have a gun. In fact, I have 37 of them in my fucking arsenal right here in my fucking truck. Oh, great. I can now use them. Now I know there's a 99.9% chance that if I confront someone, they're not going to be able to defend themselves and I can rob them or rape them or kill them in the state of California. Every time he imposes laws that prevent law-abiding citizens from exercising their U.S. constitutional Second Amendment right, the criminals love him. The criminals love Gavin Newsom. That's why little assholes like fucking nervous nerd Chris Hayes, nervous Nelly Chris Hayes, can try to pick apart Ron DeSantis' statement that Florida has a 50-year low in crime. He can pick it apart all he wants. No, not really. It's maybe 42, not 50. He's lying. Yet... California has the highest fucking crime and nervous Nelly, Chris Nays and MSNBC won't pick apart Gavin Newsom at all, won't criticize Gavin Newsom at all. No, it's not a 50 year low in Florida. It's a 32 and a half year low. He's lying. But never do they pick apart anything Newsom says or does, which ends up hurting and fucking killing people over and over and over again. So fuck nervous Nelly, Chris Hayes. I wonder if my volume's coming through now. Gavin Newsom is one of the reasons why California is a shithole. I don't put it all on Dianne Feinstein. Gavin Newsom is probably the, the, the major reason, right? He's the governor of the state. He's the governor of the state. Oh, let's see, what else did I want to cover here? I usually like to have that you know, lighter Friday show, end of the week show, but sometimes it's hard. It's hard to have a light show when you wake up and the news that day is Diane Feinstein dies, right? It's not easy. Um but, uh, yeah, I think there's not, you know, you, you have DeSantis, once again, you have the afterglow of that debate on Wednesday, and he's getting great, 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 great reviews, great reviews, and he deserves it. 
And uh, anyone, like I said, who's clear thinking and not part of a cult can see who the better candidate is. Once again, we talk about this possible DeSantis RFK Jr. matchup, this dream matchup. And it's a dream matchup because, as I said on this show many times, you would then have the best of both worlds, right? You'd be able to choose between two goods as opposed to the lesser of two evils, which is the, what we've been doing here for the last several election cycles, right? That's what we've been doing here. And that's what we'll continue to do. And you'd have two candidates that most Americans actually want to be nominees, right? Most Americans don't want to see Biden and Trump again. They want a different matchup. So DeSantis and RFK Jr. would be a different matchup, right? A different kind of matchup, right? You have a young guy with DeSantis, 44, and you have a guy who's, what, maybe 69, 70 in RFK who has the body of a 40-year-old in the mind of a 40-year-old. And that's what people want. Believe me, that's what people want. They'd much rather have DeSantis-RFK matchup than Trump and Biden again. So that's a real possibility. I think we could be heading there. Let's hope. Let's just hope we get there, right? Let's hope we get there. Because that it would be better for the country. It would be a better look for our country. Think of how people outside of this country see us. If we do this Biden, Trident, Trump, Trump thing again, what do they think about us? What they think about America? First of all, we know most people outside this country think we're all idiots, and they're probably right in many regards. But um, that America can't do any better than this. America can't do any better than two octogenarian losers recycling them over and over again. Where are all the great young politicians? Where are all the great young political minds. I guess America doesn't have any of them. This is what other people in other countries absolutely think about us. So what a, a great look it would be if we dump these two guys, right? And we said, well, we're just going to go with these two. Two people with fresh ideas, fresh outlook. You know, you get it. You have a guy who wants to flush Trumpism out of the Republican Party and Ron DeSantis. You have a guy in RFK Jr. who wants to bring the Democratic Party back to their roots. So DeSantis wants to bring the Republican Party back to their conservative roots, right? And 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 RFK Jr. wants to bring the Democratic Party back to the roots of, let's say, FDR and LBJ and his and his father and uncle, the traditional roots of the Democratic Party. The 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 more I guess maybe. Uh, liberal, not illiberal roots, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. Get rid of Trump out of the Republican Party, Trumpism, and get rid of this corporate cronyism, right, out of the out of the Democratic Party that, that RFK Jr. talks about so much. And then we can have a real debate, right, between that traditional conservative Republicanism, Reagan kind of politics of the Republican Party versus the Kennedy kind of politics of the of the, the Democratic Party, going back to the traditional roots of the Democratic Party, and then we can have a real debate in what America wants, right? Debating real issues, not talking about drama, not talking about soap opera, not talking about a, a son on crack who's dealing with China and getting millions, not talking about a guy who's about to go to jail. We can talk about real fucking things. Not the election of 2020, 
not Joe Biden, not, not, not Joe Biden's laptop, not to Hunter Biden's laptop, real issues, right versus left, more traditional right versus left, although because of common sense, because they both have common sense, and, not, and, and neither of them are authoritarians, DeSantis and RFK Jr. agree on a lot, and that will come out in the debates also their agreements and their disagreements. And America will get to decide who they want to lead us in 2025. We can all hope, right? Wing in a prayer, wing in a prayer. We can hope that's the way it goes. All right, do I wanna to get to something else before the film review? Let's see. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Well, is this an interview with Bill Maher? Oh, this is 10 minutes. I'm not going to play this. Okay, but uh, DeSantis had an interview with Bill Maher, it would seem. When was this? I thought Bill Maher was... Is this something... This is not his show? Is this something different? I don't know. Yeah, it's a new... I guess it's just Bill and DeSantis, right? Because Bill can't do his show right now because he has no writers. So it's just an interview. Uh, it's 10 minutes. You can go on uh, Twitter and look at it. Uh, let's see this. Let me play this. I'll play a little clip. I'll do, I'll play this two minute clip and then we will go to the film review, but this could be very interesting. This is a, a clip put up. Um, this is where Mark challenges DeSantis on multiple topics and Ron seems to get the audience, uh, on his side. Let's see. This guy's crazy to run this So, so, so that may have been Trump lost the election, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So why did you campaign for people? Because I wanted to see Republicans win key races. That's, I think it's that's not a deal breaker issue for you. That's not a democracy. Well, okay, well, let's go back to 2016. Uh, your friends in Hollywood were cutting ads telling the Electoral College to, to vote against Trump in, in the Electoral College because it was stolen. They said Russia stole the election. For years they said that. So don't act like this is like okay, a unique well, thing in modern history of the country. First of all, Ron, I have no friends in Hollywood. You <laughs> <laughs> do remember those commercials, though. I remember them. Well, that's an interesting exchange. It really is. It was a little bit low. I know that was a little bit low because it's a someone taped it off of a. <laughs> I guess they taped it off of a TV set. But um, I don't think it's true what Mar said that DeSantis wouldn't be on his show if he were winning. I don't think that's true at all. He's doing something called uh, what do you call this? What do you call this? Campaigning. Right. He's got the energy. He's got the money. He wants to campaign. So when you go on Bill Maher, you're reaching out to. You're reaching out to a lot of non We talked about this yesterday. You got your 20% there that will stick with him strong no matter what. You have the 80% who are like, we're looking for an alternative. That's what you're getting with Bill Maher. You're probably not getting many Trumpers, many MAGA people watching Bill Maher. So you're reaching out to them. You're also reaching out to independents, right? You're interviewing independents or Democrats who may vote in this Republican primary. Remember, there's no Democratic primary for president. So in my state of California, if you're an independent, you can vote in the Republican primary. Very, very important in states where you can do that or people who are Democrats who might say, you know what? Um, there's, no, there's no election going on here. I wanna get rid of Trump. I like DeSantis. The, the, the real... Um, Democrats who believe in truth, justice in the American way and don't just want to see Trump win because they know he's easily beatable. So also he's going beyond the primary with Bill Maher and reaching out to independents and Democrats when it comes to a general election to say, look, you don't have to be afraid of me. I've done the right things, right? A very purple state reelected me in large numbers, right? I, I have common sense. I did COVID right. So he's even going beyond the primary, being on on Bill Maher's show. So I, I disagree with Bill Maher that he wouldn't be on that show. I, I disagree with it totally. And then it's it's a great answer. Bill Maher said, I, I have a chip on my shoulder against you because you campaigned for for uh, uh, Trump candidates. I guess he was saying Trump candidates, right? Even though you know he lost the 20. In other words, you, you, were, you were campaigning for Trump candidates who said they believed he was cheated when you knew he wasn't cheated. And I thought DeSantis' response is fine, which is they're Republicans. And I want Republicans to win as many elections as possible. I'm a Republican. But also on top of that, let's not make it pretend it's just a Republican thing. Because all these Democrats, all these Democrats like Bill Maher and Bill Maher and Democratic candidates went along with the Russia, Russia, Russia crap. And the Steele dossier. For how many years did they go along with that? They never condemned Hillary. They never condemned her. For creating this nonsense and politicians like Schiff for lying about this crap for all those years. So look, Democrats campaigned for Democrats, even though they knew Russia, Russia, Russia and the Steele dossier were bullshit. And Republicans campaigned for Republicans, even though they knew the 2020 election rig thing was bullshit. Fine. I think that's a wash. Democrats campaign for Democrats. Republicans campaign for Republicans. It's a two-party system. I don't always agree with that. 
but that's the way it goes. I don't, wouldn't have a chip on my shoulder against Ron DeSantis for doing that. But we know the outcome. Trump-backed candidates lost. Ron DeSantis, who Trump denounced, won huge. That's the bottom line. But this is great because this is like a very casual interview. The audience, the Bill Maher audience is on the side of DeSantis. They're clapping. And he's showing some great humor, too, in some of these answers and the way he's interacting with Bill Maher. So that's great. It's good. Yep. When you're campaigning, you campaign. Bill Maher's not a nobody. He got a lot of people watching. There's millions of people watch Bill Maher. If Ron DeSantis comes on this show, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> then we know we're in trouble <laughs> then we know we're in a little bit of trouble all right i kid i kid i kid all right do we have um mr are you guys tuning up are you guys ready do we have uh john williams john are you guys are you guys tuned up you guys ready to go i think i'm gonna head into the i got a kind of a light note there to end so i think i'm going to head into the uh, film review you guys want to uh, play me in, please? Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. So I have uh, one one film review today. One film review. And it's The Creator. The Creator. Okay, let's talk about The Creator. This is a science fiction film. Flim. Flim film. From uh, Gareth Edwards. I believe he directed Rogue One. Is that right? Um starring John David Washington uh, as our hero, Joshua, uh, anti-hero. We'll get into that in a, in a, in a little bit. Um, and Madeline Yuna Voiles as Alfie. Now, John David Washington, this takes place in the future, like 20, I think it's 2056 or something, 2060. And uh, it's kind of timely because it has to do with AI and AI taking over uh we we come to realize that AI, which was developed to help humans, destroyed L.A., dropped a bomb on L.A. The film starts a decade after AI dropped the bomb on L.A., killing a million people. So we have little echoes of 9-11, right? Little echoes of 9-11. The production design of the film is echoes of Blade Runner. So think about that. Echoes of 9-11 in the theme and a little bit of Blade Runner as far as the production design, which is, which is fantastic. But we see John David Washington um, uh, married to a woman early on, something happens, then we pick up five years later, um, and he is asked by the U.S. government to help uh, find the weapon that the AI has developed, okay, in order to, quote-unquote, take over the world, and the U.S. government wants to get that weapon so the AI can't take over the world. I won't give away some of the twists and turns, but hint, hint, the U.S. government might not be on the level with all of this, right? The U.S. government might not be on the level. The film is very critical of, of the United States in this. Uh, there's also a lot of gray areas sometimes about who the 
good guys and bad guys are here. Um, but the production design, and so we see John David Washington going out and trying to find this weapon. And the weapon, as you've seen in the trailer, is not giving anything away. Is a little girl, cute little girl named Alfie, played by Madeline Yuna Voiletz. And there are themes uh, throughout the film about this little girl and how she was developed, how she was born, who she belongs to. Um, and it may go back to John David Washington's past five years earlier with his then wife, who was pregnant when he believed she was killed. So as we go through the film, uh, there's a lot of CGI. There's a lot of great special effects. The production design is fantastic. The visuals are great. The, uh, it's well-paced, a lot of great action sequences. And then there's the story, the, 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 the human element story, which is this little girl who is this weapon, this, this weapon that's been developed. And John David Washington takes a, a true uh, liking to the girl. Um, uh, it, it's a connection. There's a connection, once again, that goes deeper than the surface uh, between him and, and little, Al, little Alfie. Um, the film is a moderate success, I would say. It, it could have been really great. It isn't, for a couple of reasons. Once again, the visuals are great, the pacing are great, the action sequences, really fantastic production design and use of special effects. A lot of new stuff that we haven't seen before. So it's not retread. Like I said, it echoes of, of Blade Runner, but just in a very superficial level. Um, but the human story between Washington and Univoilus could have been better developed. It's not. It's kind of um, shadowed, overshadowed by the production design, by the science fiction, by the action sequences. Uh, and it's it's kind of lacking in dramatic tension when it comes to that human relationship between Alfie and Joshua that might have been more clearly defined and should have been. And it might have been if it were directed by someone like uh, with a steadier hand, uh, especially when it comes to character development, like Steven Spielberg. But that's not the forte of, of Mr. Edwards, of Gareth Edwards. And uh, on on top of that, I got to tell you, I don't like John David Washington in this film. Uh, he, he's not able to carry the weight of the film and, that, and, the, and the character on his shoulders. And he's hampered also, and the film is hampered by some very, very cheesy dialogue. The dialogue could have been a lot better. We're not talking about Star Wars type dialogue here with about several notches below that. So some very cheesy interactions uh, through the dialogue. The film is saved by the production design, the action sequences, the visuals, and maybe the world can't be saved by a little girl, but this film is saved by this little girl. Madeline Univoilis is absolutely astonishing as Alfie. I don't know how old, she, let me look it up. She's very young. She has to be incredibly young. Let's see if we get an age here on, uh, on IMDb. Sometimes they don't put the age. I wouldn't put my age, but why wouldn't a young girl their age. No, I don't see an age. I don't know how old she is. She's four foot two, though. So a very young, little, cute, young girl. Um, and she's fantastic in this. She actually carries the film. She is so good that the uh, the relationship between her and uh, and Jason, even though it's Joshua, even though it's not 
uh, borne out through the screenplay and the script really comes through. Her emotion comes through. This little girl who's supposedly a robot wanting basically to have human characteristics and wanting to be human. Uh, she's so good that every scene with her is, is fantastic. We are totally, totally into all of her scenes. And she actually gives the film the human element, the weight, the emotional weight that the director and the writing can't do. She absolutely saves the films. Like I said, her character is supposedly there to save the world or use as a weapon that couldn't, that can be part of saving the world. Um, but uh, she certainly saves the film without a doubt. And this little girl actually makes the film work. Uh, could have been a lot better, but it would have been a lot worse without young Madeline Yuna Voiless. Uh, thumbs up, three stars for the creator. Okay, so that's the show um, for Friday and the show for the week. Uh, I want to remind everyone that the name of this show is And Let's Be Heard, and it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. Have a good weekend. I'll see you on the other side on Monday night. But until then, this is Mike Cachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.